Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, what up? Welcome in. Doug Gottlieb. Uh, this is All Ball, your all-basketball podcast. Um, well, well, we'll record another one here upcoming in regards to Jalen Green and the idea of a G League team that is simply made up, uh, at least partially, of guys that would be uh, freshmen in college. I'll just say this. What a really interesting time in business. And as if you're listening to this podcast, you probably love hoop, college hoop, pro hoop, just hoop in general. And I'm fascinated by how this plays out. Like we're all focused on like LaMelo ball. It did it help. It looked like it helped him to go to Australia. I'd say this about LaMelo ball. I think getting him away from his dad, coaching him was a big thing was important. Not because his dad's this bad guy, but he really wasn't not a well-rounded coach. And I think playing, you know, in a professional league against men is going to make you better. And as much as there's some infatuation with LaMelo Ball being a number one overall pick, we do realize he shot like 27% from three and 35% from the field. He still doesn't guard anybody. Now, he's a six foot six, six foot seven point guard who can really pass. And I think eventually will be, uh, you know, a good shooter, and you look at how his brother's athleticism came in a couple years into the league, one could reason that if LaMelo becomes the athlete that his brother is, the question is, will he be as tough as his brother is? Lonzo's a tough-ass dude, a great defender, a rebounder, and if you watch LaMelo play, he stays away from contact, wants no part of defense, wants no part of rebounding, just likes to play with the ball offensively, make the home run pass, and make the home run shot. Um, but I'm, I, no one talked about RJ Hampton this year. And I've been told that it wasn't like things were left on good terms in Australia. I don't, I think they're like any overseas team. If you played overseas, you're listening to this, you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, that didn't really work out. 
I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. Once I get you on the plane, it's over. Don't get on the plane till you get what you want. You know what I mean? But like LaMelo talking about buying his team, that to me signifies LaMelo, he doesn't have any money to buy a team. They probably owe him some money and giving him some equity in the team feels like a payback for that. So this is the next step is the G League trying to pay guys. And it's a hybrid deal with endorsements and with with NBA money. I'm not sure if people are paying attention. I know NBA people are, but I'm not sure people pay attention to minor league baseball. But a good portion of the teams in minor league baseball are losing their affiliation and are going to go away. Like 40 teams are going to go away. Now, that's not a huge number, but it's not expanding. And then we're going to come out of a year where there may be no minor league system, be no minor league teams. We don't like know what any of this looks like. And what hap- what's going to happen is we're going to shed the dead weight. And when financial times being really, really hard, is the NBA going to uh, overfund the G League and lose money when all of a sudden everybody's budget gets tight? Right? Like that's, that's a legit story. What happens to the G League? What happens to the WNBA? Like, look, if the NBA season is played in front of nobody just for TV cameras in the summer, the WNBA doesn't have a season. And you're like, well, the WNBA plays in front of nobody. But the WNBA actually needs people in attendance in order to make money. There's just no TV revenue. And as low as the TV numbers are, it's going to be even worse if there's the NBA on TV. (laughs) And if the big three doesn't make it and the WNBA doesn't make it, what happens to the NBA? What happens to the G League? Do they fund this team? So feels like a big story. And it is. But if I'm college basketball, I'm not sure I overreact. You know, Jalen Green wants to play 12 games and didn't want to play college basketball. That's fine. He can do that. Guys have been able to go to the G League forever. The only difference is now the G League is going to be funded to the point where at least a couple of guys will make six figures. That's kind of the Sonny Vaccaro idea from a long time ago, which is only take the very top guys. Everybody else, feel free to go to college. So I think the G League Elite program is going to be interesting. Let's see how it plays out before we freak out and say it's the end of college basketball as we know it. Let me get to my conversation with Andy Glockner. Andy Glockner, of course, the author of Chasing Perfection. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The book is called Chasing Perfection, a behind-the-scenes look at the high-stakes game of creating an NBA champion. Andy Glockner, the author, joins us. He's joined us before. And, and Andy, Ethan Strauss has a book out now about the Warriors, uh, the beginning and the end of that version of the dynasty. I don't know. We'll get to what you think the next step for the Warriors is. But let, let's start with, with this. Um, do you think, like, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if we close the book on that chapter of it, did the did, was the league did the league catch up to them right because when they started their style it they were they were ahead of everybody else they were playing differently than everybody else and um, it's not just the use of analytics but also having Draymond Green as their small ball center in their quote death lineup now everyone's trying to have a small ball five some are doing it differently than others in your mind did the league catch up to the Warriors I'd say yes and no I, I think the the league was going to catch up to the Warriors, and then obviously they added Kevin Durant to the core, and that changed everything for almost three years. 
So, you know, we can look at what happened last year, and obviously injuries were a very significant portion of, of why the Warriors run ended without a third straight title and a fourth in five years. And now uh, the team this season obviously was not any semblance of what uh, we'd seen for half a decade. But, you know, even as the, as the NBA has evolved its shot profiles and you look year over year and you see more teams taking more threes, you know, it's just not that simple. And the way that the Warriors played and the distinct skills that they had and the complementary nature of Steph and Clay in the backcourt when they were at their best, what Draymond could give you. And then obviously Durant was just the, uh, you know, the, the code breaker, so to speak. I mean, nobody had an answer for him in that system. There were just too many options. You couldn't, you can't double everybody, right? So I, I think it's probably premature to say people had figured them out. I think what happened was the age old story of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, jealousy, a little bit of avarice, a little bit of ego, and then you throw injuries on top of it, and that unraveled what was uh, maybe the best uh, dynasty that we've seen in the modern NBA era. Do you think we're fair, we being all of the media, and there's so many different forms of the media. I hate guys that are in my position that say the media, like, look, dude, you do a talk show, you're in the media. You know, you have a blog, you have a book, you're in the media. Um, <laughs> do you, but, you know, part of, part of what, what, what bothered Kevin Durant, and I, I don't know if he verbalized, you know, if he, if he verbalized it, in the in the in the smartest way or the the best way was that he was super bothered by quote unquote Steph you know like guys pandering to Steph I actually I'm not sure that's really what what happened I feel like uh, people were honest in their depiction of his flaws and I do think this is my personal opinion that. Uh, it's seen as it's seen as being a hater if you go like, well, hey, Steph is they hide Steph defensively, or hey, Steph's not really a point guard and he is kind of turnover prone. Like he can be a great player and still have these flaws. I think it really bothered Durant that his flaws and other flaws were pointed out and Steph's weren't because I don't I don't I don't know really why. In your mind, you read, watched, seen, written, you know how to how Steph has been covered. H- how fairly do you think? Um, the overall media coverage has been of Steph Curry. I would say it's fair because I think Steph Curry showed in the two seasons before Durant arrived there uh, what kind of an apex player he is, right? I mean, it's not like he needed Durant to win a championship. It's not like he needed Durant for the Warriors to win 73 regular season games and come one finals win away from arguably the best season in NBA history. So I think the burden in that situation goes on the guy who really, frankly, was depicted as a mercenary. I mean, you know this. You're a competitor. You played professionally. Like, what would the, what would the take have been had you lost a crushing playoff series to an arch rival and then said, you know what, I'm just going to join those guys. And then you just assume everybody's going to treat you like the star? When they already, you know, when they've already had all this success, when Steph is the golden child in, in, in the Bay Area, and not only on the court, but off the court has, you know, an impeccable reputation, and you come in with Kevin Durant, you know, I, I would say, I, I would imagine you'd agree, uh, Kevin Durant, better basketball player than yes. Steph Curry? Yes. All around? Yes. Yes. Without, okay. un- unquestionably, but, unquestionably, but, 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 but does but, that matter? Right? Does no. that matter to the fans? Does that matter to the perception? Kevin Durant just won two titles and what two two uh, Finals MVPs, and everybody's just like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't really mean anything because you joined a seventy three win team and they didn't need you. 
You know, so I think the thing from my standpoint, when I look at Kevin Durant, and this is just as an outsider, I mean, Ethan Strauss, you mentioned his book, he's been in the locker room. I'm not going to pretend I had that kind of inside access uh, specifically to Kevin Durant. But, you know, to me, like, Kevin Durant has a bit of an A-Rodian quality to him. He doesn't have a home right now in the NBA. You know, he walked out on a good situation in Oklahoma City. Uh, He went and accomplished what he wanted to from a basketball standpoint, but didn't get the love. Obviously, now he's hurt, and we don't know what he's going to look like coming back. He's now in a third team with with Brooklyn and hasn't played there, and they, you know, frankly, just got their coach fired before he even played a game for them. So, you know, I think the issue with Durant, as you're seeing in some of these clips that are coming out uh, uh, from Ethan's book, is that Durant is just a hypersensitive kind of guy. And I think that's fed into this, that there was jealousy there. But I think it's understandable jealousy because Steph had the credentials to carry that reputation, even if Durant is, by all judgment, a better basketball player than Curious. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Yes, I, I, well, I think, I think there's a bunch of things to it. Let's start with the moving around. This is, and this is a, this is not, I don't think this is an opinion. I think this is a fact. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I guess you credit LeBron for starting this, you know, ability to have upward, you know, upward mobility or transition or, you know, I mean, like, look, what he did when he left Cleveland the first time, went to Miami. What, what is rarely discussed, I feel like I'm the only one who says it is, um, 
one, obviously this has been discussed. He, he was leaving home for the first time. It was like, it was like going away to college, right? I mean, it was really, mm-hmm. it was a, mm-hmm. it was a big thing, but he also in the process, he destroyed two Eastern conference playoff contenders, right? The Cavs obviously went kaput and so too did the mm-hmm. Raptors and then joined yeah, another mm-hmm. champ- championship. So, the the and I don't I don't think that was that was part of the primary, secondary, even tertiary thoughts to why he did it. But one of the reasons that it worked so well uh, for all four years was uh, even though I'm not sure the fit was perfect, it was it was pretty good. Is he he went to a stable organization that helped. Um, he had another star who has who had carried a team to an NBA championship that helped. Um, he had Bosch, who was probably the best, though Bosch is a pretty sensitive guy, and I'm not sure he loved every minute of the experience being the third option there. But because he was, because of his personality and his kind of ability to swallow his pride and take that role, as well as the fact that he'd been in an organization which at the time had topped out in Toronto, all of that combined with the fact that they st- destroyed other two other playoff contenders, maybe championship contenders. It, it made it work in the Eastern Conference to where there was no comp, no real competition in the East. But but the mm-hmm. but the part that 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 is interesting to me is it did look others have forced their way out. Kobe nearly did. Kevin Garnett did. We we've seen other guys. But it, it started this, hey, let's just let's determine our own destiny thing, which is and which is what Durant tried to do. But I I, I noticed this in college basketball. Look, I transferred and I still have some ties to Notre Dame, and obviously I didn't leave because I necessarily wanted to, regardless of whether or not mm-hmm. I, was, I was considering leaving at the time. But these guys that now transfer before their you know, senior year, they, they graduate early, or the two-time transfers, what, they end up have, what they're going to end up having in a year, in two years, in five years, in 20 years, is what Kevin Durant has now, which is no real home. There's no, like, you know, these senior nights for guys that are grad transfers is a joke. Is it a joke? <laughs> you've been there five I, like, months or you, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been there five months. Like, let's recognize the performances of, like, they don't know you. You didn't grow up there. And there's something very powerful to it. I, I, I can, I would tell you that it's also a little bit, there's a little bit to it even when you transfer uh, and you're not signed out of high school or you, you, or you play somewhere, uh, you, you, you go to a school that's outside of your region where people didn't see you play in high school. So they don't know how good yeah. you you are and so because they didn't see you grow and blossom and mature they weren't with you for the tough times they don't experience the great time it's there's not the same level of investment and i think that's what kevin durant maybe under didn't understand is that look steph's not a perfect player he's a great person and he's never been a guy I'm like look if you really think about it like steph curry going out and saying hey dude want to come play with me and i just won 73 games and uh, and we gagged away in NBA finals like that. That's the that's the stuff of that that I don't think I'm made of. Right. Everybody thinks they can do it themselves. I don't need help from somebody else. Uh, but he's not the perfect player. Even the Warriors didn't know what they had early on. He does need help. He does need to be hidden defensively. He he does have flaws. Uh, but because the Warriors went through so many tough times before him and with him mm-hmm. and they've seen him blossom into this, you know, superstar. I think it I think they they know the flaws are there, but they overlook them. Whereas because Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City, they 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 don't know him. There's no feel for him. He's not tangible to them. And I think that this transfer culture, that's what you get is, yes, you can have the ability to go win championships and play with better talent 
and maybe like in the AAU culture, have better shoes and play in the bigger tournaments. In college, you can transfer like Nate Sestina. Nate Sestina's at Bucknell, right? And um, granted, he didn't get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, but winning one game in the NCAA tournament for Bucknell, to me, would feel like a bigger accomplishment to anything even maybe winning an NCAA championship at Kentucky, considering he'd gone from a starter to a bench player. And it's because of the investment he had at Bucknell. And I, I think like the, the transfer culture, which had been going on for the last 15 years in AAU, finally got to the NBA with LeBron James. And now we're seeing some of the ramifications of it in college and in the pros. You know, there's, there's a lot to chew on there, obviously. Yeah, uh, first off, I'm glad you mentioned Bosch, um, because I, I think Bosch's role with the Heatles is historically overlooked at this point. Um, he, he was the defensive anchor for that small ball approach they were playing there, too. So not only did he you know, sublimate his own offense and take a third-tier role, which, as you suggested, he may not have been 100% happy with how everything shook down in that way, um, he kind of gutted it out, and he was a key, key guy for making their system work. So I, I don't think they win two titles and go to four finals if they don't have a guy like Bosch there. So I think that was absolutely critical. I think the thing that you brought up with with Steph, and you know, we talked about it. Like you said, he had the ankle injuries. Um, part of the reason why they were able to get Durant is because um, Curry was on what a four-year, forty-four million dollar extension, way under market value because he was injured. Then they had the uh, the cap spike that one summer. So it all fell into place where you can have this once in a lifetime opportunity to add a guy like Durant. But you know what? You know what I think about when I think about this now. You know, in my mind, a current situation that would be similar is uh, Damian Lillard in, in Portland, right? I mean, the, okay. the Portland fans go to the mat for Damian Lillard. I would imagine at this point uh, many Portland fans consider Damian Lillard to be the greatest Blazer of all time, you know, the, the guy they identify most as the franchise player there. Right, well, where, I, I where he's not, but I, I agree. Title, yes. At least as the best guy there. Yes. So what happens if Kevin Durant comes to Portland, right? And he comes in, and he's got kind of this moody, quirky personality, and he's a little mercurial, and he wants all the love. Like, the Portland fans aren't going to suddenly like Durant more than Damian Lillard. Durant's a better player than Lillard, but, I mean, let's be real about this, right? Like, the investment is there from a fan standpoint. And Lillard got them to the Western Conference Finals where they played the Warriors. So it's not like he hasn't had personal success either. And I think that's what Durant ran into here. So he's just sort of a victim of, you know, a, a, a perception. What, what is that phrase? You know, born on third base and think you hit a triple? I mean, that's really what happened. I mean, Durant joined a 73-win team and then is wondering why he's not getting all this credit for winning two MVPs and, you know, in the, in the finals and two titles. Well, I mean, they already won without you, man. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Now, I will say this. The empowerment thing goes, like, way more than on the court, too, right? Like, I've said this repeatedly online, on Twitter, whatever. I have tons of respect for Kevin Durant, who said, you know what? I want to go play with a really fun team, win some rings, meet some venture capitalists, and make hundreds of millions of dollars in connections. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Like, wouldn't you do that? Like, he's set for life now. You know, so he's, you know, become a mega corporation on top of being one of the best basketball players in the world. But I don't think he expected this kind of pushback, and I don't think he expected the kind of lack of general embrace from Warriors Nation as they were bringing all this success to the Bay. And, and I can understand that to a certain extent, but I think it was also naive to go in there and believe that the Warriors fans were going to embrace you like they've embraced Steph, and to a certain extent, Clay. It's a great point. Those are all really good points. Um, there's uh, two things came to my mind when you said that. One is, you know, we all do the pros and cons when we make a decision. And either he didn't have a cons list or it wasn't a complete list. Right. That's really it. 
that, that that's really that that's really it because you know the upside is you win two championships and probably would have won a third and and you you get two MVPs because you have the space to show how amazing a player you are you get to go head up twice with LeBron would have gone to go head up with with Kawhi you know obviously your body lets you down but the, the it's like either ignored or didn't make an appropriate cons list the second part is and this is something also interesting because there are people that you've worked with who are more like this than than you are. But I also think that Kevin Durant is on his phone too much. And by on his phone, I mean, you know, on the bird, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And his yep. if if you read your mentions, you're not going to have a great day. Not. No. You're not gonna never have read a great the comments day. under your stories and never read your Twitter mentions. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to go about life. Um, but you know, the, the, the Durant thing is interesting, uh, to me in a certain sense too, because uh, you're mentioning like, you know, he got to go up against LeBron, right? He could have squared to go off against Kawhi. I think there's this trajectory here since sort of that 2013, was it 2013, the breakthrough season 2012 for the Thunder yeah. when they made the finals yeah. Yeah, and, and lost to LeBron. It was, I think it was yeah. 12, right? And, um, you know, there was this whole thing, like who's going to be the guy who replaces LeBron, Right. And it, for a while, looked like it was Durant. It looked like Durant was the heir apparent, right? Like, you think he was maybe the second best player in the world and starting to threaten the throne and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, Steph Curry comes in and becomes this thing with, what, back-to-back league MVPs? Yeah, and and uh, the best regular uh, season and title ever. First unanimous and watch TV every night. And then a guy like James Harden, who obviously used to be in Oklahoma City, comes in as well, and suddenly it's Harden and Curry. And suddenly it's Giannis is the next guy. And I think Durant just perpetually ended up as like the second or third best guy and never really got a chance to take the throne. So you go back to the situation, then he's like, well, what do I got to do to ascend, to become like real in the sense of this reputation, this legacy I'm leaving? And what he did was not only join the Warriors and, and get titles in, in a way that some people would define as, as somewhat cheap, um, but he destroyed an Oklahoma City team that was on the verge of its own breakthrough that had the Warriors all but beat in the 2016 playoffs until Clay went like that miraculous fourth quarter in Oklahoma City, which if you watch that game back, you still can't believe Golden State won that game. I I know the result, and I've watched it again, and I can't believe that Oklahoma City didn't win that game. So when you come that close and establishing yourself as the own guy, as the number one guy on a contender that took out the 73-win Warriors, and instead you bail and join them and win a couple of titles, you're not going to get the love for that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think there's, a, there's, there's other parts to that. Durant was terrible in that game. Clay was amazing in that game. Um, and, if, and, and people forget that the Oladipo trade was made prior to Durant deciding to leave. Like they thought, Ola, you know, and, and again, we look at yep. Oladipo now through a different lens of and, and they may have gotten that, Horford that summer too had Durant stayed. Uh, I don't know. I felt that, that like was, that was possible. I think that was being banded around. So it wasn't like that was a one shot, you know, deal with them. Right, right. They, they, they were, were well, look, I, they I do that. think you asked about who figured out Golden State. Well, Oklahoma City figured out if you play Ibaka and and Durant at the four or five, you're playing like gigantic small ball thing that was giving Golden State everything it could handle. You know, so they had the key to it, and then Durant's like, "Nah, man, I'm good. I'm going to go to the Bay Area." Well, I mean, I think he was. I mean, I I think the problem was that that team had Stephen Adams, a can, you know, that you can't shoot. You had Andre Robertson, who can't shoot, and he, you know, like if you go back and watch the Warriors series, everywhere he it was basically like they were guarding three guys and having two in the paint, and yeah. really Russell Westbrook can't shoot either. There was just no room. 
and yep. you know you're trying to create kind of trying to create space uh for for your stars um i'm sure he probably you know he he liked playing for scott brooks more than he liked playing for billy donovan i i would say that you know in in one of the things that i've learned now i wish i had done more when i played and i did my last year playing i played in france would be like you gotta have these open discussions with you gotta be you know, so you don't want to be seen as a guy who tries to manipulate everything and make every trade. But I do think that, you know, had Durant gone into Sam Presti and said, hey, look, man, I just I got to have more space. Like, let's figure this thing out together. You know, like, how yeah. does this actually work? Um, whereas when you just have the when you do the LeBron thing where people just have to read your mind and and create a team out of your what they think that you want. Cleveland's tried to do that several times over to very limited success. And I think the Lakers have had some success doing it, but he's not somebody who really gives you that much of a you know guidance. You know, like I've been told, like he didn't even love, he didn't even necessarily like playing with Rondo, but they think because Rondo has hung out around him that Rondo's his guy, so they kept Rondo. And it's like, wait, what are we doing here with? Why did we keep Rondo when he's really not good enough? Um, right. it, like the whole thing is fascinating with some of these guys. Now you don't, also don't want to go the other way. We're like, oh, he's pulling all the strings. I just think you want to. You want to generally work together. Like at one of the things that Fox does on TV and on radio, especially with, I know with guys like Cowherd is, you know, they, they, they pick his brain. What do you think about this? Like the guys who are the most talented, they're going to find a, a, a way to integrate them into some, not all of the decision-making. And I think that's a, that's a flaw of both the, the teams yeah. and of some of the players. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility 
dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, let me, a a couple more here. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that Oklahoma City team was far from perfect, as you're describing, but they were still up 3-1 in that series. And it come off like two very convincing home wins in games three and four, if I recall correctly. So it's like, again, I appeal to you as a competitor. I mean, I played Division One athletics too, but I didn't play at Notre Dame or Oklahoma State and big arenas and that type of stuff, right? So it, it, like, as a competitor, the Durant thing was weird to me. That, that's the only it was, way I can it was, say it. It was, like, real, I, I it was really, it was really weird. It was, it was really weird, but guys... Me. But but look, we we as, as I think here, here's the thing. I think Durant's whole thing is he reacts way too much. He cares way too much what fans think, and he kind of views the world through the through the through the eyes of a fan. Okay, and because fans, he I'm sure he looks and goes like fans don't give a shit about any of that other stuff. It's just how many titles you have, right? How many titles do you have? And and really yeah, like that's, that's the whole the bird thing. Too much, right? I mean, I think that's the Twitter yeah, thing. or or like, even like, look, even stuff, yeah. I mean, even if you watch inside the NBA, like Barkley's been a good sport about it, whatever. Not having a title, Charles Barkley was a fucking badass, and like oh, you know, he incredible, yeah, incredible. And, but he does the self deprecating, and he lets other people like go like, oh, you didn't have titles, like like the idea that Draymond Green would ever talk shit to him. Like, listen, Draymond <laughs> Green's been a been a very important cog. In the Warriors' machine, um, yep. there 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 isn't a year outside of maybe the even the Houston year where he was a shell of himself before he 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 blew out his knee and his leg that that Draymond Green would ever command minutes over Charles Barkley. But it's because we've become this. Well, how many titles did you win? And somehow that solidifies whether or not you're one of the all time greats. And I think that's what Durant. You know, the hell with the fact that I'm going to a a, a competitor. Uh, I'm a free agent. I can go where I want. I can do what I want because if we win a title, everybody forgets about the other stuff, which is not really the case, especially inside the insular world of the sport. Um, that that part, but but so yes, do what what I want to join. But I also like look. This goes to I don't know. This goes to high school. I hate when the high school teams, when guys you know transfer and team up and form these super teams. I didn't like when our U.S. World Cup team like. Do we really need foreign players who never stepped foot on our soil, didn't grow up here to compete in soccer? Why don't we just make soccer in I, just because we can recruit German play, German born players that have an American tie? Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right? That's the kind of shit that Israel does in basketball, <clears throat> so that they can compete and get into the you know the European Championship with the United States. We don't have to do that, and I. So I, I look at both sides. Like, did the Warriors really have to? Like, no one's ever said, like, did the Warriors really have to go out and get? I mean, just because you can't. What's the, what's the Chris Rock? You can drive a car with your feet, but that doesn't make it a good idea. Right? That, that's one of the ways I look at it. <laughs> I, I, you um, know, so, real, real quick, and I know you want to move on. I, I, I will defend the Warriors because I think the whole idea of team building is to build the best team you possibly can. I, I, don't, I don't think it's their responsibility to just think about stacking the deck. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I think winning every, the title every year is great for Golden State and potentially not great for the NBA, but I don't think that's their responsibility to worry about that. It's the same attitude, honestly, I had about the exact opposite end, which was with Sam Hinkie and the process in Philadelphia. I think for the Philadelphia 76ers, they should make whatever decision they think is best for the team, but the league wasn't down for that because it was actually starting to affect you know, the reputation of the product and attendance at their games and all this kind of stuff. 
But uh, if I'm at the club level, I have no problem with with, with Joe Lacob and company basically being like, you know what, we're going to get every great player. Uh, we're smarter than you. We're better than you. We're going to win the title for seven straight years. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to aim for? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a little bit like the idea of pure capitalism. Like, just because you can doesn't mean doesn't mean you should and does it feel better and or maybe is it also sustainable right like was that it you know was that a sustainable model is it better to compete for for 15 years than it is for four years i don't i don't know or five years however long it, uh, it, it I'll, was. I'll, I'll take the five straight finals and, <laughs> and then worry about the high lottery pick they're gonna have this year you know, that's my, but you know opinions can differ so no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't know if my answer would be the long, sustainable thing. I just, I do think that there's a, there's a, a little bit of, um, you know, like they could have protected him a little bit better. They tried, and I, I put, I put most of the blame yeah. for this on Durant. Uh, in he suddenly became surly, which happened to LeBron when he went to Miami. Right? People forget LeBron's first year in Miami was kind of a disaster uh, in terms of PR. They did that stupid shit. They made fun of. Uh, Dirk during the NBA finals for being sick mm-hmm. and then they end up losing. Um, but I, I do put a little bit of it on the warriors in terms of not painting a clear picture, not doing as good a job as they could have not necessarily Steph. Cause Steph is a guy who always, you know, even when he left, he always credited Durant and saying, you know, he couldn't have done it without him. And he's, he's right. Um, I, th- I do think the warriors actually needed Kevin Durant. I thought that was, that was maybe never said by them initially. Uh, there was a little bit of pride because they, because remember when they won their first championship, the the Cavs had all those in, had the injuries to the to, yeah. to Kevin Love and to Kyrie Irving, and they were very defensive about their path to a championship and winning a championship. I, that that whole thing is, uh, you know, I have not read all of Ethan's book. I can't wait to do so. But that whole thing yep. is fascinating. Let me let me let me fast forward to this. All right, so I think you know with with what Fucci said, sports are going to come back. There's going to be no fans in the stands. The NBA has to get a season in. What does it look like? Because it's not just that we're going to have a fanless product, but we're going to have guys of varying degrees of shape when eventually they get back together. And I just, I, I, what do you think? What do you think the NBA looks like if they come back and play a tournament in July? I mean, my honest answer is I don't think it's happening. That, that, that's been my consistent position for probably a month now. Um, and, and I really would like to toss this out to you as well. Like, I, I don't know what the process can be to even hold anything. Like you said, there needs to be a ramp-up time. You know, you hear NBA players saying, you know, you need three, four weeks, maybe even six, you know, to get in any semblance of game shape so guys aren't getting hurt. You know, so there's a training camp requirement that's going to be needed here. And, and at some point, you have such a distance and dissociation from the season that was. Like, how real is this anyway? I mean, I know they need the money. I know they want some closure. And it all makes sense. But, like, if you hold a tournament in August or September or October, like, what does that even mean in the context of this? Like, you know, people will go down and be like, well, you know, the Bucks win the championship. Is that a legitimate championship? You're playing a best of three for two rounds and doing whatever. And some guy has to sit out because suddenly, you know, the virus pops up and, and suddenly a team's missing a key player. And, and, and more so, what is the protocol going to be? You know, we're not going to have a vaccine by the fall. That's not, uh, from all reports, that's not possible. So is there mitigation? Or, you know, who's at risk? Who's signing off on the risk? 
to come back and be around these players and physical contact and the referees and the game officials and people that have to put this on in wherever arenas you're playing in, even if there are no fans. I just don't know what that means. Like, if you, in our current state, if, if LeBron tests positive for coronavirus one game into a playoff series, is he now sitting out for two or three weeks? And then, like, what do you do with the rest of the guys? Do you have to? Like, that's what I don't understand how this mechanism is supposed to work at this point, unless people sign off on the risk. And I have a hard time believing the players and the players' association are going to do that. But maybe money will eventually talk. Well, I, I, I'm going to, I take the other side just because. I mean, now, now, look, the NBA has probably has been affected far more so than anybody else. Obviously, Carl Towns' mom passing away uh, makes it yep. much more real, right? When there's somebody who you're playing against and you know and their mother dies from it. it and, and, of course, they had the initial thing, which was the Rudy Gobert-Donovan Mitchell thing. Um, I, that, that part, to me, I, I do think that that will cause some guys to pause, but I think a lot of these guys think of themselves as impervious to any of this. Remember, we're mm-hmm. talking about probably another month removed, which would give us one more testing, maybe an antibody test, um, and a, a much better sense of what exactly we're dealing with and I just, I just, at, at some point, these guys are coming at, they're basketball players. They're, they they want to play basketball. And it's not even just about the money, although the money is a big factor. What would it look like? You know, it's interesting. We don't, we don't put an asterisk by either the Spurs championship in the shortened season. And I know this is very mm-hmm. different from it, but we, we don't. Uh, would it feel different? Sure. But like, look, I, I think the Vegas thing makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. You know, you, you do your training, your, your ramp-up training, your individual workouts before so, uh, while you continue testing. Then you do a training camp. Then you play, I would say you play pool play into a tournament. And it, it would be weird, but, you know, like most of these guys have grown up playing in empty gyms in the past. It would just be, a, you'd find, I think you'd find out who real, what, what kind of competitor guys really, really were. Um, it would be odd, but... You know, they have to get it in. Not the the closure idea sounds sounds good on radio and on podcast. <laughs> I think they got like for LeBron, he's got to get it in because how many chances does he have to win a championship? I think that you know, I like I'm interested in what the Nets do in another month or month and a half. Do they let Kevin Durant play? Did, does can Kyrie Irving come back and play? Like, do they take? They're like, you know, we didn't think we had a shot, but fuck it, let's go for it. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. intrigued. I'm intrigued by that. Um, you know, Anthony Davis will be a free agent at the end of, of this year, whenever this year is, I don't think he's leaving LA, but there's other players that'd be free agents as well. The Milwaukee bucks, like they have two shots yep. at this thing to try and keep Giannis. Like they got to want to try and get this thing in. Don't they? They don't want to, you know, they win a championship and that, that solidifies them as being Giannis's home. You, one would, one would think so. Yep. I, but I don't think that NBA pl- implications I, to this beyond just playing the season out for what for what you're saying. I mean, teams both for good reasons and for bad reasons may be radically different when they come back, and maybe radically different after whenever this season year ends. And if you don't get a chance to see it out, how do you evaluate? You mentioned the Giannis thing. Obviously, that was a story at various levels of irritating coverage this year, you know, where people are like, well, where's he going to go? And it's like two years before he, you know, (laughs) is technically out of contract there. And it's like, yeah, if they don't get the chance this year, you know, they had the opportunity last year, couldn't get it done against Toronto. Looked like the best team for most of the season this year, but you know what? They got handled pretty, pretty well by LeBron in that game right before the break. And, uh, you know, we don't know. 
we don't know if Milwaukee can close the deal again this year, and then what? You know, so if they don't get that opportunity, how does that change the thinking, both from a team construct, what do you need to do, you know, what, what holes are you trying to fill, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you mentioned, you know, guys like LeBron, uh, you know, like later in their 30s, who do not have these opportunities anymore. Yeah, there's no guarantee, like you said, that Anthony Davis is going to stay. We all think he's going to, but we don't know. And there's no guarantee that LeBron will be this good ever again. You know, with this type of layoff and, and the aging process, although he seems to be relatively inhuman, so it, it, it just it's it's disturbing from that standpoint because you'll have an incompletion or a an asterisk, so to speak, on the competitive aspect of the season. But man, is there a transactional nature to all of this and money involved? It's going to be really weird to manage, no matter how they try to conclude this. Hmm. Um, uh, okay, l- let me. Let me ask you about the Bucks, since part of your book was studying uh, the Hawks, and the Hawks have become the Bucks only with better players, right, or a better a better superstar. And the question yep. has 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 been like whether it's Budenholzer or the style or the buy into analytics or whatever. Does it will it work in the in the playoffs? I, I start by saying this: like I love the guys who say, "Well, Moneyball didn't work." Well, uh, okay. And yes, Moneyball did need three great pitchers with the Oakland A's, and they needed all those great players that, that the, the Red Sox had to beat the Yankees, whatever, in the small sample size. But, you know, like the idea that the A's can, can consistently compete with their payroll tells you whether you win a championship or not, it absolutely works. Um, what are your thoughts on yeah. the Bucks and this version of what they had, what Bud had in Atlanta, and how? ultimately, if it could work at the very top end of the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I mean, first off, Moneyball does work. Moneyball with money works even better. <laughs> you know, if, you, if, if you're smart and have the budget, like, that's, that's, that's the nirvana, and that's when you saw, like, teams like the Red Sox cashing it in, right? But at the same extent, um, I, I think there is a little bit of a difference between these, these Bucks teams and um, that Atlanta team, that specific Atlantic team that won uh, 60 games uh, and happened to be playing the year that I, that I was researching the book. Um, as you said, uh, Giannis is better than any guy on that Atlanta team. So in a star league, you have the star, the defending MVP, possibly a two-time MVP. Um, all the metrics suggest that this team is one of, not only the best team in the league this year, but one of the best teams in NBA history in terms of scoring margin and how easily they're dispatching people. I mean, Giannis has sick numbers, and he's doing it in what, 31 minutes a game? I mean, the dude like never plays in fourth quarters. They're they were always up like twenty five points. So then the question is, you know, and, and you would understand this better than I would. How does it translate to the playoffs when people can really scheme against you? And what can Budenholzer do now that he's had some real good reps? I mean, he's been in two conference finals now, right? This is a you know, this is not a rookie coach in a playoff sense. This is not a rookie team in a playoff sense. And you know, people discount certain things about Milwaukee, but I mean, I love Chris Middleton. I think he's a tremendous player. They've got other guys. They've shored up the center with the Lopez brothers. You know, they've got other guys that are pretty good. I'm a little questioning maybe the point guard is a little loose. But, you know, in general, like, you could quibble. But, I mean, what is there not to like about this Milwaukee team other than you're like, I don't trust anybody until they actually get it done. And to me, that's kind of a silly argument, right? Like, like nobody gets it done until they get it done. Like, people were saying the same thing about the 2015 Warriors, right? And then they rip off four, four ti- or three titles in five years. So I, I do think this Milwaukee team is very, very real. Now, does that mean they get past Philadelphia and Boston and Toronto and Indiana whenever this starts up again? I don't even know if they would have done that, you know, if the season hadn't stopped. 
so now it's like, who knows? Like, and what are you supposed to read about that? If, if Milwaukee crashes out in a, like a three-game series or whatever they're going to do, like, are we supposed to say like, oh yeah, they couldn't get it done? I mean, to me, you know, what, what you mentioned about the A's, Moneyball didn't work because Moneyball in their application was an application over 162 game regular season. It doesn't necessarily apply to the variance of a five-game playoff series. And anybody can lose in a playoff series, even in the NBA, even if you have the best player. It happens, especially in this type of environment. What don't I like about about the? I I think what I don't like about the Bucks would be that Giannis can't shoot, um, and that and that what he's able it's it's uh, there's some similarities there to Steph who can shoot, but it's the the ability to be physical in the NBA. Like look, it's two different sports. When once you can put your hands on a dude, um, and really focus on a team style. The the NBA is about a, having a guy who can just sheer force of will beat his man, and then if you have to help, like what, like to me, why are Steph's numbers, uh, especially in the NBA Finals, like early on, why are they why are they down, you know, percentage wise, even volume wise? It's because you know it's the only time in his career where guys can put their hands on him, and if you can put your hands on Steph, you got you got you got a shot, you know, at least lowering the percentages. And the same thing is true with Giannis because when you play off him, he gets a running start. And I just think, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, I, I think it's the ability, it's, it's the way in which the sport is officiated is, is different in the playoffs, especially the, the further it goes in the playoffs uh, than it is in, in the regular season. And that's why it's, it's hard to say what it would actually, what it would actually uh, look like. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility 
dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Um, all right, I, I have a, th- this is the last one. I hadn't prepared you for it, but I do think it's interesting because you played college sports, cited. you were editor at, at ESPN.com. We wrote the college basketball page. What, what do college sports look like when we come back? And I say that not just, I'm not talking about time and date and when we, financially, this is a disaster. This is like for, for businesses in the media business, for example, like our sales are going to be down, right? We have sponsors, but sponsors have to cut their, cut their marketing budgets. But the expectations would be that at some point in time, those bounce back up, hopefully sooner rather than later. And happy days are here again. And we all benefit financially from it. That's why so many in media and, and so many executives are taking cut, temporary cuts, knowing that right now it's down, but it's going to come back up. It's not really the way it works in college athletics. There is no ability to make, to make back the money. The bills continue. You still have the debt service on your buildings. You still have mm-hmm. to pay the scholarships. You still have to pay the coaches, even though right now you won't pay the bonuses, and sometimes they're dialing it back. And when it returns, much like in the business, like, look, in the business world, lots of places that were borderline in terms of making it, are going to go under. That's just kind of the nature of business. And it just, the process gets sped up. We haven't had that in college athletics in a long time, really since title nine. What do you think the college sports landscape looks like when we get back online? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. I think honestly, everybody was so caught up in March madness being canceled because we enjoy the spectacle and the games that I think the business story there was really underreported, and that was that the NCAA tournament is a huge, uh, basically the, the revenue generator for the NCAA, and a huge right. portion of that money is distributed to the colleges to support their other athletic programs. And that, what was the cut on that? I forget the number. Was it like two hundred three? It's like three hundred. So it's like three hundred fifty. It's like three hundred fifty million. Um, yeah. And then, and then the other part is like the big conferences, which would have benefited more financially. Uh, from the NCAA cut, they also lost their conference tournament. So you're you're right. You know you're talking about yeah. each conference losing. You know in the twenty five million dollar range, and each school. You know Arizona said they're going to have a seven point five million dollar mm-hmm. at least minimum budget shortfall. And then you factor in again when we get back online college football season. I don't think people understand that the local revenue, the local mom and pops, the, the car dealerships, etc those places can also help fund the athletic department and all that's all the ancillary budget right now those companies maybe they haven't gone under but they're sure as hell not going to spend money on stuff they don't need when they're just trying to make ends meet to get to when the economy recovers yeah i mean i think so the urgency you know obviously we talked about the pro level and the urgency to play a season because of the tv money and that's obviously an enormous factor for major conference football in the fall Right, so let's put aside whether people are actually going to go to stadiums, which I think at this point is very unlikely, if not impossible, starting in late August. Um, but they're going to have to figure out a way to really? play the game. Now, the question like, again really, is: wait, you know, on, we talked about hey. basketball and what is the protocol there. Here you have, and I know I know we disagree a little bit on the semantics, but let's, for the sake of this argument, say you have unpaid athletes. I know they're paid in scholarship money, but they're not paid in salary. Um, so these are not professional athletes. You have unpaid student athletes on campus. They're being asked now, you have, what, 85 scholarship players and whoever are walk-ons. These are huge operations. There's already conversation about, well, we're not going to have uh, in-person classes in the fall, but of course we can have uh, athletic practice. 
I mean, who knows what the legal ramifications of that are? You start separating the in-person requirement to be in class from the in-person requirement to be an athlete on the campus. You know, and then there's the protocols of like, well, how do you keep the disease from spreading? Well, how can we mitigate this? What happens if a team has a viral spread? What happens if it happens to coaches? You know, there's support staffers and older people around these programs, too. Not even talking about alums, you know, just, you know, trainers and whoever else is around the program. These are not all 19-year-old kids, as, as Mike Gundy was sort of suggesting. So I just, I, I'm really having a hard time getting my arms around something really successful in the fall. But at the same extent, as you're pointing out from a financial standpoint, these universities have to play this football season. They cannot pass on this TV money. That would be an epic financial disaster for a lot of these colleges. So my best guess would be it'll be played. I don't know if they'll be able to play the games without fans in the fall because, you know, three months or four months is a lot of time in terms of how this is all developing with COVID. But, you know, you're starting to hear more rumblings about what? They play it as a spring sport? That's something I can see as reasonable because I don't think there's any way these universities can go without the TV revenue that's fueling their departments. I I, I don't know. I, I could be dead wrong. I I don't understand. I don't. Under- I think people would show up at the games. Oh, I'm more talking would too fu- if they were allowed in certain areas, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is a whole separate story. Yeah, you, you read about. I, I know. I, mean, I, I think that. I don't think that's a separate story. I think I, a, I, a biological bomb. One of the uh, Champions League games over in Europe, right before the uh, you know sports but round the, 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 I, I just, and they the, suggested the numbers... that that was potentially a key episode in the Italian outbreak. Um, I could see something like that happening, and I think governors are going to have a very hard decision in some of these states to say, you know what, we're we're not back to normal, and you guys can't do this, even though it's so meaningful to you in the community. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't see that. I I think it's starting to become a political battle more so than a health battle, and I I fully understand how, but I just the numbers don't. I I can't see the numbers supporting. I, I don't know if the I don't I just the numbers don't seem to be supporting keeping this thing shut down into the summer, let alone into the fall. I don't know. Like I, you're saying you know, you're saying economically, uh, not just economically, but obviously economically, but also like the just they the the numbers don't match up. Now is is a lot of it the fact that we've done social distancing? Yes, that's a good portion of it. But I, I just think that we're going to get you're going to get to a point where, especially in the markets where college football is more popular, Midwest, Southeast, where people are going to go. This is about politics. I'm going to the game. And you already have, you know, Republican governors who are like, open it back up. I just, you know, I feel like Texas and Florida and the Midwest, I think it's going to be business as usual. I really, really do. Uh, and look, the governors are going to have to wrestle with that, right? And I want to I want to make this this commentary for a minute as apolitical as possible. <laughs> um, there is a a point where the economic damage and the damage to everyday life is greater than the health risk. Yes, um, I don't know when that is, and I don't know what will be required to be in place for that decision to be made, right? Because you could have a scenario where, especially in, 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 in states where there's less population density, that you're not seeing these same types of disasters, especially in like a New York City. You see the mitigation that was required in a city like San Francisco or a city like Seattle where the initial outbreak happened. And maybe that's not happening to that depth in some of these less population-dense areas uh, of states that, you know, in a lot of ways so happens to overlay against, uh, you know, major college football areas. Uh, but what happens when you bring all of those people together? I mean, that's why there's this uproar about, you know, going to church on Easter or having these public gatherings or why conferences are not happening. 
and that type of stuff. So I, I, I think that's a really dangerous and difficult presumption to say, you know what, we've got this thing under control, and I, I, I strongly believe we have it under control because everybody's been staying in their house as best we can. That's the only reason we have it under control. Like, nothing has fundamentally changed about our ability at this point to cure this. We've just stopped people from transmitting it to each other. So bringing 90,000 people back into a stadium in, in early September, I, I don't know, Doug. I, I would bet against. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I mean, listen, I, and again, this is just based upon everything I've read. The, the fear in COVID was not just over the virus. It was over our ability to... Um, our ability to have enough hospital beds and ventilators, uh, right? And because yeah. there hasn't been because there hasn't been the spike that many people feared, uh, that's that hasn't happened. But but also, and this is this is I think important, um, is because enough of these businesses have transitioned to making ventilators. I mean, again, you fast forward to the fall, and one would think we'd have plenty of ventilators. We'd have more advanced treatment, a better sense of it. We, we also have this antibody test. I would guess, you know, we won't have a vaccine, but we'd have an antibody test. I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I, I think we're, we're doing this thing where we're being super, super cautious, which is smart and working, but eventually people go, all right, enough with it. it it's a hurricane and it skimmed the coast. It could have been a full, we could have gotten the full shot of it. We did not. We're more prepared for the next time and we move forward, right? Because I just, I, I don't believe that, that the economy and sports is such an intertwined part of our economy, especially these, these college campuses, that I, I don't think we can keep them shut down forever. Um, and I no, think no, forever, I agree with that. But I would say that uh, the mitigation truthers, uh, so, so as they are, you can't say like, oh, it wasn't that bad only because of all the stuff we did and then say that stuff wasn't necessary. But that's why yeah. we're in a point of paralysis right now is because our, you know, our first solution to this was to flatten the curve, not overwhelm our health system and hospitals, and try to reduce the spread as we could. But that doesn't eliminate the spread. What it does is lengthen it, right? I mean, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't fundamentally figured this out yet, and that's, to me, the point. Like, if we don't have an antiviral, if we don't have any mitigation therapies, and we don't have a vaccine, well, what happens when this spikes back up? What happens when you dip a toe into the pool and you start reopening a restaurant or a movie theater, and then 10 people get sick? Or you open up sports, and you have eight athletes test positive on a team. What does that look like, and what is the breadth of, you know, the, the expansiveness of the mitigation? What steps do you have to unwind at that point? And when it comes to scheduling a season, what does that mean? Like, you can't just be like, oh, we're not playing a football game this week and do that in perpetuity, right? You can't do that in an NBA playoff. You know, so are you treating this like, oh, well, sorry, the guys are injured and, but, you know, you're, you're down but, but, three players? Do you let them hold on, play but, through but, it? But, and I think but it's the college not a, level specifically because of the relationship between the universities and the quote-unquote not employees uh, that provide the actual athletic service. I think that's even more nuanced from a, from a legal and risk standpoint. But it's the, the getting COVID is not a death sentence. Right? Like there's, well, there's 25,000 25, people would say otherwise. No, I understand, but but like, but in terms of the the ratio, what is the what is the fatality rate of this of this disease of this this virus? Uh, we we don't know, and that's part of it. I mean, you know, you have wild claims in either direction. It's it's worse than the flu. It's not as bad as the flu. I mean, I think it is worse than the flu. I think most evidence suggests it's more deadly. Uh, but we don't know because it's hard to assign to people because there are people dying. You know, what is the, what is the stat this month in New York City that two thousand extra unexplained deaths at home? In New York City, 
So what do you assign that to? I mean, is that is that COVID? And now they adjusted the numbers up yesterday to try to account for these presumed deaths because we're not testing everybody. I know people here in Denver who have had every symptom of COVID and can't get tested for it. Well, just, I would also say there's the you have it and sit at home. So what happens right, in those all, situations? So I don't think we know enough yet, Doug, about how dangerous this really is. And we're seeing more and more evidence. It might not be as many teenagers, you know, in the, in the case of college athletes. And it probably would not impact a lot of pro athletes because of age and physical conditioning and health and all that type of stuff. But, boy, there are a lot of people around college and pro sports that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s that would be very much in danger if this, if this reared its head uh, for the wrong people. You know, it's gonna. Be, I mean, it's gonna be fascinating. Obviously, you have to. We have to learn more. Um, you know, and then there's this kind of working hypotheses as to whether or not it it actually ran through Southern California in the in the winter, right? Because it was a really bad flu season that that didn't align with with what was called the normal flu. And you have sixty to ninety flights to China a day, and you know, mm-hmm. logic would tell you that that somebody had it previously. There's a, a lot we don't. Last thing. Last question. If this season, if there is no uh, conclusion to this season, will LeBron ever win a championship again? I'll vote yes. I think he's got a couple of good runs left in him, and uh, he is still, if not the best player every night uh, on a regular basis, he can be the best player when it matters, and I think that matters in India. The book is Chasing Perfection. It's really good. It's very, very interesting. Uh, It's written by Andy Glockner. He's a longtime friend of mine. He's a resident now of Denver who is kind of caught in that uh, we are a really good team and a fun team, and we have a unique player that no one else has, but is that enough to win an NBA championship? The answer is probably no. Um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I'd, at some point, we'll, 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 let's do this again, and we'll talk about Denver, and, and, uh, and we'll talk about uh, Arturis Karnischewicz, as now he's uh, the general manager of the Bulls and what we, we think of that. In the meantime, though, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you spending some time. Appreciate it, DG. Always great catching up with you, man. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. 
And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, a fun discussion. There's so much unknown. I mean, so much unknown. I... I just, I feel like basketball is going to get back. I, I feel like we're going to have basketball without fans to somehow finish up the season. It won't be perfect, but you're making the best of just an awkward, weird situation, right? Um, and then how we view that championship, if somebody wins it, is going to be interesting as well. My thanks to Andy Glockner. Of course, you can pick up his book, Chasing Perfection. Uh, we will have, we got a couple more fun podcasts upcoming for you I want to talk more about these guys coming straight out as we get more information on what the g league thing will look like i i suspect suspect that uh what had been planned for this g league select team won't ultimately come to be because of these changing times that, that's just the nature of what happens in every business but we'll see we'll see it's not a money maker and if it's not a money maker why the hell are you doing it that that's what every executive, every small, large business, that's what everybody's talking about right now. If you ain't making money, why am I paying you? Right? And um, especially in the NBA, if you're going to cut things, what do you cut? Is it funding towards a, a G League team that wasn't going to make anybody money? I don't know. I, I don't know what the what the answer is because Adam Silver does seem to be a guy who's been convinced that s- some former fashion of this does need to exist. The crazy part is we still produce the best basketball players in the world. And yet we're trying to change the way we produce those basketball players. Right? Like we always, well, you know, you look at, they have, you know, they have this way of doing it with the Australian Institute of sport. And you look at all these other countries that are producing, but like, that's great. But they also don't have the AAU system. They don't have the high school system. They don't have the college system that we have, which has traditionally produced a, a much greater volume. Does that make it better? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you can uh, tweet tweet at me at Gottlieb Show. Also, the Instagram handle as well at Gottlieb Show. And then um, you can check out the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, three to six Eastern Time, twelve three Pacific. You can stream it foxsportsradio dot com. You can listen it on your iHeartRadio app, or you can download the podcast wherever you download podcasts. My thanks to you for downloading, subscribing, and rating. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.